The back-to-back podcast is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that NBA ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices that go up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. You can find specific deals for a past game and an upcoming game and compare them to that night's game, and it only takes two taps to check out. So head to the App Store or the Play Store and download the GameTime and score awesome deals. Welcome to the Back to Back Pod on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel and Seth Partnow. Are you ready to be entertained? Yay! Hello and welcome to the Back to Back Podcast. It is Thursday and that means... It's Nerder She Wrote. I am your host, Dave DeFort, joined as usual by Mo DeKeel and Seth Partnow, both of whom we found out are my buddies, in fact. What's up, guys? Wait, what? We decided that you guys were both my buddies. I wasn't sure if Seth was my buddy or not, but now I'm very positive that, that we are buddies. What, 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 what did uh, this not, conversation? <laughs> what did this happen? This happened Seth- on the podcast. Two weeks ago. Oh my Damn gosh. It. You guys look, you, maybe you're doing too many too many podcasts. No. It's just blurring into one. Now now, now, you go now on buds. You, you go on buds one time and all of a sudden now you're too big for nerder. I get it. I never said that. Whoa, 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 whoa. See, this is why we're not buddies. You uh-huh. start putting words in my uh-huh. mouth and now we have a fight and a feud Listen, and Seth's there, gotta break. There's us a way up. to solve this problem. We're gonna have to manage your load, your podcast load. We're gonna have to. <laughs> you're gonna have to sit out, you know, a, a few like no back to backs like you're doing right now because you just recorded Brody in the Beard, uh, a Houston Rockets podcast yep. that you can find I, on the uh, Athletic. I don't need my uh, load managed at all, there, uh, Dave. But it just sounds weird. Can we find a better phrase than load? Well, it's like workload, it right? Like it just sounds workload. weird. Yeah, it's I know, workload. but it just sounds funny, and everybody knows what I'm talking about. But you know, I'm, no, I'm no, here. Be more specific, please. <laughs> oh, Seth, do you want me to have that conversation? No. We can. Don't challenge me. No. I'll do it. No, I'll do no. it. I, okay. You know, I, I will say that 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 listeners' ears are probably suffering from overuse from you know listening to the two of you bicker to start this podcast though, and that's really what load management is about is pre- preventing overuse image uh, injuries. So that's that's we, we provided we provided a good demonstration for everybody. Exactly. Sounds and like, here's it sounds like Seth is tired of it. All right, let's set this up because I, I don't want to go on too long. I, I think by this point everyone's exhausted from hearing about it, but. Uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard has an injury. That oh, in the eighties, we could talk about this for for eighty two straight games, and and everyone forty eight minutes a night, right? 40, we could we could argue about the, uh, about how hard everyone was working for eighty two games, forty eight minutes a night in the eighties. That's right. Everything was awesome. You know, the only guy that's ever played a season without having like load management was Wilt Chamberlain. Oh, it's God. the only guy. Oh, God. <laughs> There's it. an easy joke there. Play, played, a, played 48 and a half minutes a night uh, for one season. So, like, this is not this is not something new. It's just it's taking a holistic approach to how much work the human body has to go through for a year to be in optimal condition 
for the playoffs. That's it. Because like we hear all the time, oh, athletes are constantly banged up. Nobody's ever healthy. Okay, so wouldn't it make sense to have your best players healthy for when the games matter the most? Like the argument against load management, or or it's honestly, it's an argument for fewer games. Yes, that's it. That's it. That's the thing. I think there should be less games in the NBA. I think they should cut it down to 72. I've written about this a few years ago. Uh, We're not going to dive into all the details there. The one thing I want to say, though, about load management that never gets talked about is the extra stress it puts on your teammates. Uh, Kawhi doesn't play last night. Montrez Harrell plays 39 minutes. Lou Williams plays 39 minutes. Patrick Beverly plays 35 minutes. That's something down the road the Clippers are going to have to account for one way or another. They're going to have to rest those guys at some point. So I think there's something we, we always just talk about it in terms of the player who's sitting. And it makes sense. It, load management makes sense for the team across the board. There's no argument there. But it does stress other guys. And that leads to a problem sometimes down the road. And it's going to be interesting when they get Paul George. They're also going to manage him a bit. So there's going to be times where Kawhi's going to play and Paul's not going to play or the other way around. But these guys also are going to be playing and they're going to have to pick up the slack when one of those guys sits. And it's something we never talk about with those guys. Like, you know, Lou Williams is in his 15th season. Like, he's not a spring chicken. Like, 39 minutes is way too many minutes for him. Yeah, and and then the other thing is uh, to push back against the load management. It is going to mess with the money at some point. It's going to have to. Like, it's just the nature of the beast. The NBA can solve this by fixing the schedule, right? No back-to-backs. Don't, you know, especially televised back-to-backs like the Clippers who had Milwaukee and then Portland and their national televised games back-to-back. Guess what? You knew going in that Kawhi was going to miss one of those. Yeah, that's 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 really I think where the, the the problem is is that on one hand you're you're selling this thing that like the only thing that that matters is like for legacy is championships and blah blah blah, and so you know both the players and everyone who individually works for their this team like their incentives point kind of one way on this. Now, the league is, you know, if especially for national games, wants to put the best product out there. And so their incentives are another way. And only one of those two groups has the power to make sure those incentives align. And it's not the team. So, yeah, exactly right. That if, if the if it's if if a, if the priority for a league is having the best possible games, maximizing the chances of getting the most stars in, in get, playing against each other on your flagship games, then you then you build the schedule from there. That's the a number one thing you you look at when building the schedule. And yeah, that maybe means that you know the the, the travel isn't perfect, and maybe there's a there's a, a random back to back extra somewhere else in the schedule. But if that's the most important thing from a league wide standpoint, is you know if is and given and as, by the way. I don't think that's illegitimate at all for the the money that you know that ESPN and, and Turner are 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 giving the league to televise these games. I don't think it's illegitimate for their desire to have like the, the marquee guys play in in the national televised games. I don't think that's an illegitimate like baseline. But if that's the if that's the thing that's the important thing, then you act as if that's the most important thing, rather than making it one of the. 
12 different things you're trying to do at once that are all the most important things. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. But but the other thing is ticket sales are going to suffer because of this. People are going to stop. They're going to stop buying tickets. Yeah. I, I, how much does ticket sales really factor into the- I, Listen, hey, I, does it does the product look good when there's a bunch of empty seats? In the no, arena? But I, no, no, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. But how much does the money generated from ticket sales affect the NBA's bottom line? Like, that's something I'm actually genuinely curious that's about. It's more like for team operations. I don't know. Seth, Seth, you just came from the team. I don't know. Do you have any insight on that? Maybe we need a, a ticket rep. Um, I, You know, I, I purposefully tried to learn as little about the money as possible. Because I didn't, you know, it's that, that that was just sort of tangential to what I was working on. Um, it matters, um, but I think that they're they've gotten they've they've they, like teams have gotten good enough with dynamic pricing and stuff like that that they'll they'll like they'll they'll figure it out. Like you know, having having the best possible team is still kind of the uh, a, a bigger driver. So I'm not sure if. You know, if the occasional load managed game matters or not. Although I do remember there was a game, uh, the, the Lakers came to Milwaukee for their one uh, one game last year. Like it was announced about an hour before the game that neither LeBron or Giannis played, and there were people who came to the game who drove from you know pretty far in Wisconsin to see the game who were big mad about it. And you, you, you I mean you have uh, like yeah, like, yeah, I understand you should that. be now, now, should well, because now, you know what human beings don't like. Human beings well, don't actually like rooting for laundry. Yeah, well, I mean, in, in that case, both guys were they, was, they were neither of them were serious injuries, but both of them were like legitimately right. like hurt. So it's like sometimes sometimes it happens, but it's still it's it the the uh, the sneaky the, the sneaking up on on load management games. Yeah, that, I think that's you know that's a problem. Um, Here, here's know, a question. I, I, here's a hypothetical. If the Clippers who I think know ahead of time the games that you know they've circled on the calendar. Okay, so Kawhi is probably going to need to miss this game and this game. If they made that information public, they just put it out there. Do you think that a lot of the conversations surrounding this goes away, where they say, "Well, you know, at least the public's informed." No, because I don't know if it stays that way. Things change through the course of the season. You might change your mind on which game you want to manage, which game you want a guy to sit versus. You want him to play. So I don't know if that really fixes things. And, you know, they when you plan this, it's loosely planned. It's, it's okay, this is the plan, but there is a possibility of change down the road. So, He's not playing on back-to-backs. No, I'm with you, but, like, they don't know which one they might want to play him on. You know, there there are times where, hey, we – we're not sure if we wanted to play this night or if he wants to play this night. We were not sure how he's feeling. It's going to be up to him and things like that. So I don't know if, you know, just, I don't know if it's something that's feasible. I don't think there's going to be a situation where like if they announce it and then they decide to rest him another game, you know, now they're in trouble. Now they're, they've pissed off fans again, you know, and they're being dishonest. So I don't know if that's necessarily the answer. Okay. So the the answer is we've got to fix the schedule. That's it. Schedule just we can't have back to backs. We need seventy two games. games. Seventy two games. Listen, I, I think I, I wanna say I said uh what was I saying before? Fifty eight. Fifty eight okay. games. That home. that might that that's extreme. Home and home. So you just play every team in the league. 
uh, home and home, and then uh, no conferences, basically. So top 16 teams get into playoffs, and, and you go from there. I think Is that that's too drastic? Big, I think that's drastic. I think it's simple. You cut down – you could cut 10 games out of the schedule right now if you get rid of divisions and you play everybody in your conference three times and everybody in the other conference twice and you get 72 games. Is that – I mean, and from there – you're in that situation where you could spread it out. There'll be no back-to-backs. You're in a, a good situation that way, and I think you get a good number of games, and you get, uh, and you're able to get rest from guys and things like that. I think that's a better situation. I think it's a better product on the floor. Yeah, I also would start on Christmas Day. I'd make a big deal out of it, like they already do. But instead of having the first two months of the season feel like preseason. I would just start on Christmas Day. Well, I kind of like the lead up to Christmas Day because you're getting guys ready to go. Guys who came into camp out of shape or whatnot, they're ready to roll. You're not getting any of the the first start of the the first month of the season is always kind of out of whack for some guys. Some guys just can't find their rhythm right away and things. I kind of like having games that lead up to Christmas Day and being like, okay, everybody should be ready to roll at this point. Yeah. All right, so that's enough on load management. I, I'm, I'm burnt out on on load management. Kind of like a lot of stuff right now. Like it feels like we're we're beating a lot of dead horses when there's a lot of really good basketball happening. The Lakers are good again. The Celtics look better right now than they're going to look all year. The Suns are good. Uh, I want to start with Phoenix because it's a team that shouldn't. Like this is a surprise that they're five and two, and, I, and it's super early. I mean. Again, seven games. But, um, Mo, I know that you've been paying a lot of attention to, to the Suns. Is this all Monty Williams, or or is it roster construction, or is it both? It's both. I mean, really, this is the first time in God knows how long they've had several competent players on the roster. I mean, you look down the line. It's Ricky Rubio. It's Aaron Baines. I mean, these guys are are, are playing well. Uh, the kid Carter coming off the bench is is playing really well. Like, you kind of have a team sort of forming. Like, it's it's sort of funny like how it works out when you bring competent players, you get competent play on the court, and it allows Devin Burke, uh, Devin Booker to be better. And you know, Bonnie Williams deserves a ton of credit building a culture and establishing it and, and getting it going. You know and but there's one other thing I want everybody to be ready for. We're only seven, eight games into the season. We've seen this story before, right? Team starts out hot and fails. You know, it falls flat. So, like, as good as this looks, there's also a possibility that this could could go bad. It's still pretty early. Yeah. Uh, Seth, how is it possible that Ricky Rubio makes teams better when he can't make threes? I've been told uh, that if you can't make threes, you're just a bad player. Um, he is a, his, basically his entire career has been a very disruptive defender. Um, he's, he's maybe certainly as he's gotten older and picked up the injury here or there, he's maybe not the, the, the quick, the, the, the quickest lateral on ball defender, but he is his ability to read the game and be in good spots and disrupt plays and get steals and, and just come up with rebounds and loose balls. Um, he's been an impactful defender basically his entire career. Yeah. So uh, something I something I brought oh, up on he genius passer. Hey Seth, your internet's kind of popping in and out. Oh shit, sorry. Uh, sorry. Go you want to yeah. do that do that Rubio thing again? 
uh, we'll do it live. Um, yeah. I, um, I, what, let me see. Why is it because Ricky Rubio is why? Good? How is Ricky Rubio good when he can't make yeah. threes? Yeah. So throughout his career, Ricky Rubio has been a very impactful defender. He's maybe not the lateral, doesn't have the the super lateral quickness, certainly as the kind of the injuries have piled up as he's been in the league uh, for a long time. But he's he's savvy. He knows how to play passing lanes. He knows how to just read plays and and disrupt uh, disrupt and get get his hands on on deflections and steals and 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 grab rebounds and go. And then he's a genius level passer. So despite the fact that there's some very obvious things that he doesn't do well, um, the things he does do well uh, are very helpful to a team. Yeah. And then Aaron Baines has been fantastic for Phoenix. Uh, his screen setting has been huge. Uh, defensive presence has been great, obviously stretching the floor as a big. I think they have an interesting predicament when DeAndre Ayton comes back. Because offensively, I, I I think Aiton raises their ceiling quite a bit. He he's just he's so dynamic in that in that mid post and, and around the basket. I mean, he's just a monster. But he doesn't have what Baines has on the defensive end yet. And I wonder if they might bring Aiton off the bench when he comes back. That would that be controversial, or do you think that's something that they might look to do? Uh, I mean, it kind of depends a lot on what happens these next 20 games anyway. I mean, if they're, you know, if Aiden comes back and there'll be, what, 30-ish games into the season by then? Yeah. And and so they'll if they're like, you know, if they're 17 and 13 and, and right there, then, um, you know, uh, uh, maybe bring him off the bench trying to, you know, do as well as possible this year while still developing him might be the way to go. If they tail off and and they're okay, they're they're five and two now, but they go, you know, they go five and five and twelve over the next seventeen games or something like that. Uh, then you know maybe it's a little more who cares, like not who cares, but uh, you know, like let's stick with the original plan and and develop Aiton because that's where you know either for us to be really good, he's going to have to be really good, and so we better get to finding out if he's really good or not uh, sooner rather than later. But I also think a component to it is Aiden's mental makeup. Right. You know, it's there's are you are you going to lose the kid by saying, "Hey, you've been demoted. Uh, you gotta you gotta earn your way to the starting lineup," which is great. But are you going to lose him? Are you going to? You know, Bates has the mentality of you know he'll do whatever you need. He'll come off the bench. He'll start. He'll do whatever. He'll serve the popcorn. Whatever you need, Bates will take care of. But for is is Aiton of that level? Is is there are they talking to Aiton now, kind of going like, hey, this is a possibility. You need to start preparing for it mentally. It's a lot of that goes into it because we could see it easily, especially because he's a young kid. They they say, hey, we're going to stick with Bates starting and bring you off the bench, and you might lose him. You might he might just check out mentally and not be into it, and you never know how these guys respond to that. So it's not a topic they should take loosely, depending even where they're at in the schedule. Or, uh, where they're at record-wise, you know, if they're if they're really in tight to it, you know, is is they got to kind of weigh it and and figure that out. And I think a lot of that comes from that's where the relationship that body has to develop with Aiden and start figuring it out early on. And, and and it's a big it would be a big test to their relationship to do that thirty games into his tenure with the Suns. 
Devin Booker looks like he's made a little bit of a leap. He is he's shooting about 50 percent from three right now. He's scoring twenty six points a game, five assists a game, uh, which is actually fewer than he had last year. But the ball's in his hands a little bit less. But his decision making has improved so much. It, he's like, uh, and Mo, you'll appreciate this. I, I feel like he's waiting for things to develop a little bit more than he has in in, in years past if that makes sense, being a lot more patient, picking his spots, and then aggressive in decision-making. Yeah, I think some of it is, you know, again, just just having guys around him and having guys he feels comfortable that he could trust to give up the ball to, right? Like some of the teams he was playing on, you know, he just you could just tell. He was like, yo, I'm gutting. I'm I'm jacking up shots and things like that. You know, he's he's averaging almost two less field goal attempts, which doesn't seem like a lot, but you know, it's it's something that's kind of happening. He like you said, he has the ball less. He I'm not ready to say he's taking the leap until I I need to see a full season of this. Sure. You know, but but he's looking really good. And if this is a Devin Booker you're gonna get all year, this will finally answer the question of, you know, is Devin Booker just a guy that's puts puts up good numbers on bad teams or is he a good player i think if he can put this together for the entire season i think that answers the question so i i've been someone who's been kind of in the empty stats camp on booker for most of his career and so there's two kind of competing things here one i you know you look you know if you want to be a skeptic you look at some kind of things that are outliers like he's shooting 50 percent from three that's not going to keep up for the season. No. He's shooting almost – he's shooting uh, a career high at the rim by over 100 uh, – or he's shooting more than 100 points above his career average at the rim. That's probably going to come back down to earth a little bit. Now, he's been like good – he's been accurate enough that – uh, that there's some room for those to kind of regress a little and him still, you know, be massively in career best territory. On the other hand, like his shot profile is better. Um, yeah. He's shooting, he's he's shooting like almost 50% more shots at the rim than he does uh, than, than he has been normal. His he's taking many many fewer unassisted threes than he has in the past. So you know, moving him off ball has has kind of unlocked or you know has, has gotten him back to. Um, you know, some some better looks than when he had to, you know, you know, do sort of a hybrid point guard thing. Um, and so that's that's probably, uh, you know, if he's your lead ball handler and scorer, that's probably asking too much of him. And and getting other people to take some of that, the, the, that, you know, initiation role has probably been good for him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's is he playing better because of the kinder environment? Yeah, definitely some of that. Um, and it's some, but then again, there's also probably, you know, some, especially on the three point shooting, I would say some regression coming Yeah, uh, that, you know, he's, if he ends the, like, if he, you, if, if you offered Suns fans, like, or the, 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 the Suns that, Hey, he's going to end the year shooting exactly 40% from three. I think they would take that in a heartbeat, right? Yeah. Now. That'd be fantastic. I mean, it'd be great. But the other thing too is. He's 23 years old. Right, now. I right. Mean, this, so. is, this is kind of the age of like, this is his fifth year in the NBA. Like, this is kind of the age of when you start to see, like, okay, this is a guy, you know, or he's he's not even in his prime yet, but you're beginning to see what he, he can become. You know, I think a lot of times with these kids coming in the league so young, we kind of push the development of like, yo, they got to be, 
at this point, two or three years in the league, and it's like, yo, he's 20, he's 21. Like, that's not realistic. I think now he's hitting the age of maturing a bit more as a human being as well, and I think that's something we're going to see in his play. Yeah. And, I mean, hey, by the way, he's handling double teams just fine. Just throwing that out there. Look pretty little, good. Little, little summer shot. Yeah. <laughs> though, hey, those Philly double teams were not getting him stressed. They were not getting him sped up at all. So I think that, uh, you know, I'm now, I'm now team Booker on the no double teams during the summer because he clearly knows how to handle them. Uh, Miami heat. They're a lot of fun. That's my take. <laughs> well, how is brilliant, Miami? Brilliant analysis. Here's, brilliant here's, analysis. <laughs> yeah. Here's my, here's my thing about Miami. Um, I don't know if it's sustainable, because they are relying quite a bit on two rookies. Uh, but Justice, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo have been fantastic. And Goran Dragic off the bench, he, he looks like refreshed, like renewed. He looks fantastic too. So it might be sustainable if they can figure out how to how to deal with uh, none and, and Hero when they come back down to earth. Um but right now it's a lot of fun. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I've been super impressed by them so far this year, but they're one of those things that when you get into the numbers a little bit, you start to see some worrying signs. Um they're fourth in the league in three point percentage right now. Now they've got uh if you look at their roster, they've got good but not great shooting talents, I think we would agree. Yeah. Um, so, and on the other hand, the more worrying sign is opponents are hitting the second lowest uh, uh, three-point percentage. They, they're basically one of the best uh, Jedi defense teams in the league right now, and and that's so that that that's more of a of a kind of a long-term concern because okay, you can you can kind of talent your way to to you know a really good offensive three-point percentage. Uh, the defensive side is much more just kind of you catching some good or bad make or miss variants, and they're so far this year they're catching some pretty darn good uh, opponent missing lots of shots variants. <laughs> is that the technical term? Uh, which which part? <laughs> no, it can be. Yeah, can Jedi it. defense, by the way, is fantastic. I, yes, I, no, that's. That, that that one goes way back, but it's like, yeah, they just kind of they're not you're not really like defending a guy, you're just kind of waving your fingers at him. This is not the jump shot you're looking for, and it doesn't go in. <laughs> um and and it's a it's a it's a very repeatable skill that I I will be using that in pickup next time I play. Wait, hold on. You're not closing out in pickup. That's oh, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. No, for first off, I actually play hard in pickup, so I'm uh, I'm that annoying guy. So sorry. You you could sigh all you want. Listen, my team wins when I play pickup. Okay, we hold court. Okay, <laughs> I ain't trying to hear that. Okay, if I go out to the court to play, I plan on playing basketball, not watching on the sidelines. If that means I got to play some damn defense, I'm gonna play some damn defense, Dave. And I don't need you sighing, judging, whatever. Okay. Well, I mean, I win. okay, I, I I prefer the Jedi defense uh, <laughs> approach. Uh, then don't play don't play with me. But one thing I like about Miami that I find interesting is they have really balanced scoring. You know, uh Nudd's averaging the most at eighteen point three. 
But across the board, it's 15.1, 15, 13.8, 13.7, 12.7, and 10 points. And you have Leonard at just nine. You know, I mean, like they, they're pretty across the board, almost like an open opportunity scoring team, which is something I wasn't expecting. I was expecting Butler, and maybe that will change as he plays more games to to really kind of carry a lot of the scoring load. So, uh, but right now he's only at 15 points a game. He's only getting 12 shots a night. Uh, I'll be interested to see how that progresses. But, you know, we we talked about this on Buds a little bit, but we got to see their schedule. I mean, when their schedule toughens up, then we'll find out really who, what they're about. Yeah, and again, man, rookies, they're not usually good. So what they're getting out of Nunn and, and Hero, I, I just don't think it's sustainable. But um, the rest of those guys are, are pretty good. They like they got a nice little team. It's uh, I probably should have been a little bit higher on the, on the Butler fit with those guys around them. I still think that they're a piece away from being any sort of serious, you know, contender. Like, I, I don't think this is an Eastern Conference Finals team, for instance. No, but I do want to. I do want to kind of go back into history a little bit, and uh, we were clearly wrong about the Orlando Magic, Dave. No, 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 no. I'm, I disagree. They uh, they are they are shooting really really poorly right now, and I think that when 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 they go kind of if they go back to their norm. They win a lot more of these games that they've lost already. Uh, Seth, at what point? At what point do you look at it going like, man, like they might not get back to th- this? Might be their norm this year. Like, at what point do you start to go? We, we're, we're looking for the regression of the bead and everything like that. But at what point do you go like, uh, they might not make that? Um, probably not at eight games. Not at eight games. I mean, like, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I don't think. Like, I don't think. I don't think Vucevic has a long track record of being a like a high level three point shooter, but he's not a twenty percent three point shooter. Right. Like here, here's the, is not a, he's I have not a thirty two percent three point shooter. Augustine is not a twenty six percent three point shooter. Karen Taras is not a nineteen percent three point shooter. So yeah, they're gonna they're gonna shoot better. Yeah, they're not gonna um, shoot twenty seven percent from three as a team. That would that would be a record. Right. That would be pretty I impressive. Don't, yeah. I actually don't know if that would be a record. There might be a team that like a team from like 1982 that took five a game or something. Yeah, like we don't. That. We don't right, like, right. but new, new age, new age. Yeah, so we gotta look at it going like that. Yeah. But you know, like at what point, like their their offense is 30th right now. You know, at like what point do we expect and their defense has been good? They're they're top five defensive rating team early. I know, and, and everybody. No, has. but they're gonna be a top five defense. I mean, that, I right. think that's just that, yeah. That's who they are. Right. Like where. Where does their offense? I mean, can they get their offense to the middle of the pack? Like, you know, it's it's that kind of situation with them where I'm kind of getting more and more nervous when I watch them. Again, I mean, I just, they're just not shooting the ball well. I don't even think that they're necessarily generating bad looks. It's just that they're not making shots, and you know, as you know, Mo, it is a make or miss league. All right, Rachel. <laughs> yeah, I um. I, Orlando's offense is, I mean, they're struggling. And, and I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll put some of this on my guy, John Isaac, who, while he has been a revelation on defense, I mean, he's been incredible. Um, he's just not aggressive enough on the offensive end. Like, I actually think he needs to be more selfish because he's got so much talent. Uh, that team needs him to kind of take over a bit. 
I don't know about that. I'm still waiting on that. It, it, I'm not there yet. Let me just put you this way. With the Orlando Magic, I'm not off the island, but I'm on the dock waiting for the ferry. After eight games? Yeah, I've seen I've seen I've seen uh listen, I had them as high as three. Yeah. Uh, three team in the east. I think I had I don't know four, if they're yeah. gonna get I don't know if they're gonna get to the top four. You know, I, I'm not saying they're not gonna make the playoffs or anything, still a long way to go, blah 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 blah, trade, whatever, things might be coming down the road. But I'm I'm early, I'm looking at it and going like, Man, I might I might need to buy a ticket to get on that ferry and get off this island. It just, I mean, listen, okay, they shot 35% from three last year. They're shooting 23% from three this year to start the season. Like, yes, it's going to go up. Are we sure they're going to get to the 35% from three? Was Vooch just having a great year because it was a contract year? Like, are we, you know, where where are they going to fall? Are they going to, what does their offense look like if they hit 32% from three and, and don't get to the where they were at last year? Like, they're not going to be at that level, you know? And, and part of the reason why I had them so high, too, was their continuity. This is something I thought they'd be able to just kind of run through early on. And for them to struggle early on, that's where I'm looking at it, going like, man, that's that's a tough beat right there. I'm not sure if they get there. Yeah, I think I think part of it is it's not just that they that they are shooting poorly from three. It's they they don't they, they also they I mean they don't get to the line ever. They don't right. they don't have ways of of generating kind of easy points that that can kind of cushion them for when they're having a uh, a, a, a mediocre shooting night. They don't. They just. They, they don't have enough like shot creation talent to to. I'd like best case scenario. They're they're, you know, in or around the twentieth best offense in the league. I think. And you know, yeah, that's a decent team. If you're, you know, if you're, you know, top five defense, bottom ten defense, that puts you at, you know, in, in the Eastern Conference, that probably puts you around the sixth or seventh seed. You know, so yay. Um, and that's and that's kind of about that's about where I had them preseason. So I don't they're they, you know they they've shot the ball poorly, but they kind of are who I thought they'd be, um, despite the fact that that Isaac seems like he he's a, he's a he's a cast iron monster, but like the team needs him to to, you know, or they don't they don't need him to be, but they need more kind of offensive they, dynamism. Yeah, well, and, and I think he is. I, I don't think, think he I, that's is never, that. That's never been that's never been him though. Like, but I think he has more of it than anyone. It's like him and Fournier. But he's never been a he's never been had that even coming into the league. He was very you know it's only one year at Florida State and they're weird because of of how right. like egalitarian uh, they they do like minute rotations and stuff like that. But he was not you know he was a he was a low usage player there. So I mean, especially for a guy who is going to be a you know a high end draft pick, he was a very low usage player. Uh, especially for a non like traditional big uh, or a guy who's not a traditional big. So I think, you know, asking him to be, you know, be offensive blossom guy when really, you know, what you're you're hoping for him is kind of a, you know, a modern day Karolenko type more than, a, you know, a, a more than any sort of uh, like a Paul George type, you know, if, if, if in terms of what you're expecting to be, him to be. He's gonna be he like his his major impact is gonna be in that Kirilenko, Gerald Wallace kind of all over the place opportunistic score kind of way, not any sort of uh, primary option. At this point, it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like he's made he he has he's moved any towards that direction at all. Just in terms of assertiveness. Go ahead, Mo. You were about to say something. 
No, so that's not everything I needed to say. Oh, I, also like that. So I also like that Seth pointed out that he was right and we were we were wrong early on. So uh, that was a nice little <laughs> subtle subtle move there, Seth. I saw it. I saw it. You didn't sneak it by me. I, I'm making notes. <laughs> well, I'll have a lot more chances to, to point things like that out as the season goes along. As we are. That might, <laughs> no, that might be your only one. Enjoy it now. That's right. Have, have well, a I mean, how, I mean, how long I mean, did listen. we spend talking about the Warriors last week? Hey, hey, hey. Come on. I mean, I mean, the Santa Cruz is, Warriors catching strays. That's just not fair. All I'm saying is have a stake tonight. It won't happen that often with me. With Dave, it's going to happen on the regular. But with oh. me, you, you, won't, you won't catch me that that often. So uh, enjoy it tonight. Enjoy hey, a nice cognac, listen, uh, a steak, potatoes. Why wait till tonight? Why wait till tonight, Seth? You could order that steak right now at DoorDash. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. <laughs> DoorDash connects to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is very easy. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat. Go get that steak, Seth. Order two of them. Have your food delivered to you wherever you are. It only takes two taps to check out. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app. And enter the promo code BACK. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter the promo code BACK. Very easy. Just like the name. It's in there twice. Okay. Let's talk about the Warriors real quick. Literally. Do we have to? Do two have seconds. To? So they have had the worst run of luck of any team. Are you I sure can... you don't want to do another live, live read rather than talk about how wrong you were about the Warriors? <laughs> and I want to talk about Eric Pascal. Because he's been, talk about the what? He's the <laughs> one bright spot of the season for them. So they they're starting backcourt two guys that are on two way contracts, which is just insane. They're hard capped, so they can't even convert those guys. So eventually they're going to be gone. Um, Eric Pascal is pretty good though. Yeah, it's nice. It's it's it's. I mean, somebody's got to score on that team. Like somebody's got to get the shots up. If if all these guys are sitting. He, you know, uh, we'll we'll see how it goes in the long run. I mean, he's he's had a good run so far, but like, man, when you say the Warriors have had bad luck, listen, man, they went to the finals five straight years. Like, I'm they they've been due for bad luck. They had a nice they had a nice run of good luck for a while, so they've been due for this kind of thing to come. And you know, this is also kind of the chickens coming home to roost a little bit not being able to draft well at the end of drafts not being able to develop young talent this is the kind of stuff that happens at this point you know and it's really highlighted now because of the injuries but we've been talking about it for how long now that they haven't had talent you know like they haven't had guys at the end of the bench we got very excited about jordan bell when they got him and that turned out to be nothing. We had Patrick McCaw, who everybody got excited about. I mean, he even had his own little soundbite on the House of Strauss show with the McCaw and stuff, and, and that didn't pan out. You know, we've gotten excited about so many different guys. Uh, Ian Clark, and none of these guys panned out. And that's now it's coming back to bite them in the ass. So I don't even know if much of it's bad luck as much as they haven't developed their guy, young guys well. They, well, haven't, they haven't drafted well late in the thing. And that's normal for teams that are in the position they're in. Right. But if you want to have that long-term sustainable success, you got to kind of do that. Well, you got, this to, is, you got to find a way to do it. There's, they're usually dynasties don't normally have soft landings. 
right? Like what what the Patriots are doing in the NFL, what what the Spurs have done for the last twenty something years, right? That's so rare. Usually, it's like Miami, right? When LeBron left, it it all kind of fell apart, and then Cleveland, when LeBron left, it all kind of fell apart, and now the Warriors kind of falling apart, right? Like so, you you mortgage so much of the future for the short term success. It's difficult to to drag yourself out of it when you've given up assets for you know you've given up future assets for things that can help you right in the moment. So like this, this is not, I mean they've had some bad injury luck clearly, um, and that's why this looks worse than I think it would have. Um, but this is more normal in the NBA than than abnormal, I think. And it's a good thing that it ends this way. Like that there has to be a trade off like down the road for, you know, going going for it right now, because otherwise, you know, the flip side of that is you're the Cavs now. Um, if, if the good team, the teams that are good can't get really bad in a hurry, there's not really a lot of room for you to ever get really good in a hurry. Right. So they're, having that kind of downward mobility is actually. I would say a sign of 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 health of, of competitive health of the league in that you know things went badly and they're bad good right like not I mean it's not good no, for them but it's cyclical. but it's good for the league that yeah yeah that there's you know that they've had everything go right for a while and they were they were like transcendently good and now you know they've had a short run of things going bad for a while and they should be bad and cuz you know those those runs of luck if they even out and you you know, you do well and catch the upcycle well, then you know, then that 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 does uh, that's when your team can do something special. But that can't be every year, right? But I also think with this team too, I also think we're burying them too quickly. Like this is a gap year to be. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Oh definitely. Next year, next year they're coming back with Draymond, Clay, and Eric and Pascal. They added and- another All Star. You know, this year. Okay, Dave. Um, And then, uh, you know, but then they also have the luxury of like, so I wrote about this for Bleacher Report. I wrote uh, a uh, article on the Warriors about this stuff. But like for me, the way I look at it is even with the high draft pick, you know, you can go big game hunting, high draft pick at D'Angelo Russell and try to bring back somebody and, and continue this. You can continue this run. You know, for yeah. a couple of years, you know, like they don't have to go into a rebuild. Now, I don't I'm not a draft expert, so I'm not sure who's in the draft. And if there's a guy they absolutely have to take it's a point guard did. heavy draft. You know, you have Steph for another few years. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you necessarily want to have another guy, another point guard or whatnot. I mean, listen, I don't watch college hoops. Y'all can yell at me later for that. But like, I don't know who's available in that stuff. So they leave that alone. so much more about the game. It's It's pure. It's it's they actually play you know. defense, Mo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure they do. Sure what they other, do. What they other don't load tropes? manage in college. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Cole yeah. Anthony played every minute in that game the other night. Yeah, that was he walked, the, and he walked uphill both he ways. He did it for free. The love of the game. Barefoot uh, barefoot in a uh over Not the even glass his image well. rights. Not even his image rights. Unbelievable. You know, he loves the university so much, just like Tim Tebow, that he would uh uh wouldn't even want to have his image rights but back to my point i think they're an ability where they can actually just kind of retool they're not even going to rebuild uh and and next year we're going to be back to the warriors being the team everybody's going to be like god damn it these guys again 
uh, I think that's a real possibility. So, you know, take their beating this year. They're going to remember it. You know, Dr- nothing I want more if I'm a warrior than Draymond having a chip on his shoulder because you know he's going to come back next season. They're like, oh, all you were putting dirt on us, all that fake everybody, you know, like LeBron thing that people said he was washed and all that stuff. He's going to have that mentality, a motivated Draymond. Like there ain't nothing more scarier in the league than that. Uh, okay. But just to push back a little bit. Okay, you're going to have Clay coming back off an ACL. You're going to have, you know, Steph a year older, Draymond a year older. Already a guy who doesn't profile as someone who's necessarily going to age well with his style of play. It's not going to be the same old Warriors next year. It's going to be like like more of an average good team than, than this historic monster. It's never going to be the same old Warriors well, right, because they don't have Kevin Durant. Freakish. Yeah, yeah. What we had was freakish. Like it doesn't. I mean, you know, but they're going to be a team that's going to be able to contend next year. Like, are you you, you were picking them this year, and Clay wasn't even going to be healthy. Yeah, I, so, I thought they were going to. I thought Steph was going to be enough. But like, uh, but, but, but that's but my then, point, Dave. You know, Kevon Looney being out is such a. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait until April to be like, you know, God, if if Looney had just been healthy. And, Which is and, absolutely and wrong. I'm going to put words in Seth's mouth right now, but Seth and I will yell at you about that. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the, but, you know, just looking at it, it's like, look, this team, for me, I'm more confident in Clay coming back next year fully healthy than him playing any point this year. And that was something I felt from the very beginning. I was like, he shouldn't play this year. Take the full year to recover and, and, and come back next year, right? So him coming off a knee injury, Going into next year, I, I'm going to be fine with that. Yeah, these guys are getting older, but that's where I think, depending on what they could bring in with top draft pick that they could put on the market, uh, D'Angelo Russell, like you might have some guys that put them in a situation where they're going to be able to to fight and contend. Now, they're not going to be as dominant as they have been over the years, but that's to be expected. But they're going to be a team, I think, next year to be, be reckoned with. I wonder if they can't trade for Giannis I wonder if that that might not happen this summer no comment okay uh the Houston <laughs> the Houston let's, Rockets let's defense get the, let's get this you know let's uh <laughs> let's get the take machine and the speculation rolling <laughs> NBA sources uh, no I don't have any sources on that no, uh, uh, the Houston Rockets defense is atrocious Mo how would you fix it uh, get new players. It's personnel. Uh, God. It's, it's not, I mean, like, I just went through this on uh, Brody and the Beard. I know. You know. They're just not, they don't have the guys for this, you know. Uh, uh, our beat writer, Kelly Eco, who's my partner on that podcast, had run through their, their, their best defensive lineup is, so far, has been Harden, Westbrook, House, P.J. Tucker, and Capella, but they've only played 83 minutes. They have a defensive rating, I think, of like, 94 or something like that and and all that but i'm like yeah but these that's not gonna last like i don't buy into that i pulled up this interesting stat uh crap i deleted it but i i'll I'll go off top of my my head looking at just nbastats.com and seth you could tell me if this is if it was stupid for me to have brought this up but this is a bad way to look at it but for the shots they've given up they've given up 230 open to wide open threes and have only 50 uh, 
tight tight threes where they had a defender two and four feet away from the guy shooting the three and zero and zero away from don't say that yet i'm not done Uh, (laughs) and zero for for what the nba stats considers tightly which is zero to two feet i mean that's pretty absurd no, really, I, I think that this is a problem with the way the NBA, not the not the way that the data is tracked, but the way it's labeled by the NBA is really uh, the line you should be looking at there is the ones the NBA calls wide open are the problematic ones and everything else is like not is is mostly okay. Like the four to six foot range is something that you would call, you know, if you watched if you watched a hundred of those on film back to back to back, you'd say those are like semi contested shots. So uh, the really what you want to see is like what proportion of their threes are just in that last bucket, and league average for there is like little little above fifty percent. I think it, last year it was something like fifty two forty eight or something like that were were six plus feet open or not. So if they're up in the if they're up in like the sixty percent range, and I like while we're talking, I might even look it up. Um, I, I that, still have it up. I still have it. Uh, up. Yeah. So so that's that's where you, you, you like yeah. They're no, no nobody's gonna have a, a ton of 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 shots in like that two to four foot range because if you're that close to a guy, uh, basically every player in the NBA is going to tend to not shoot uh, from from three point range if, if the defense is actually that close to him. So uh, I lied um, to you. I don't have it up. No, oh, well, fine. But um, this is where we need a producer. We need yeah. a producer with these stats. Here, let me get my cat but to attack just, me, and then they'll hear some pause. Yo, to- yo. <laughs> this is this is people on the podcast made that picture you said of the cat. Yo, his cat is mean, man. Uh, yeah, that cat is. Canceled. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, that was that. Uh, to to um. After the cat did attack me last time, she attacked again after the pod and literally drew blood. Like my, I had four big claw marks on my ear that were like, it was yeah, was it wasn't wasn't pleasant. Anyway, no one needs to know. No one cares. <laughs> no, they they care, Seth. They really yeah. do care. Yeah. I uh, care when it's not me. So, I, so I, I will laugh, but not when it's me. I'll be pissed. If, if we all right, so let's let's like just look ahead for the Rockets. Um, I I don't think. I don't know what kind of move they're going to make because it's pretty clear that they don't want to pay the tax. I don't know who's out there they can get that that can solve some of these issues that they have. Um, I like are they going to be able to do anything in the playoffs? I mean, maybe they win in the first round, but is that it? I mean, I'm not very high on that in that sense because of that, like. You know, maybe they get a guy in the buyout market. I don't think it's Andre Iguodala. Maybe a Jay Crowder becomes available like i think that's their best bet who knows maybe they did have capella on the market at the uh before they traded for westbrook last summer so maybe that's something they revisit and maybe that could bring something but it's not like you guys tell me like i don't feel like he's bringing in the answer like it just doesn't it doesn't it, he doesn't move me in a way where i'm like oh wow capella's on the market like they're gonna get some good stuff for him but but I mean not only that but then who do they replace Capella with? It's not like you're going to play Chandler 28 minutes a game. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's the other issue. Yeah, um, I mean they, they you know they're not going to go sign Kenneth Fareed or or something like that. Uh, uh, Joe Kim Noah just got hurt, so it's not like he's an option. I, I just don't know how you replace. No wait, wait, did he did he just get hurt, or did, did the story of him getting hurt from this summer get reaggregated? I, I think it got reaggregated, but yeah, he's okay. so 
So he's not he's not an, an option. Uh, yeah, it, it's uh, I just don't know. Like their roster is in a really weird spot. I know that they have interest or had interest in Iguodala, um, and I don't think Crowder's going to be available. Uh, Mo, um, right. so I, I mean it's they're in a tough spot. I, I don't know. Seems like of all the teams that you know have kind of been right there. I mean, they have been right there with the Warriors or, or during this run. Um, they're getting skipped over a little bit in this next wave. Well, I think the other thing that's interesting to look at, and again, it's only been eight games, but they have a five and three record, but a negative point differential. Right. Like, and and I don't know how Seth feels about it, but point differential matters matters to me in the terms of how dominant a team is, and. You know, they, they are barely squeaking by in these games. You know, they barely beat a bad Washington Wizards team. You know, they, they gave got, up 158 points. Yeah, I mean, to that's the a whole. We, we talked about yeah. it. And then, you know, and then they got their asses handed to them in Miami. So, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's like, guys, like, this is concerning stuff. Like, you know, Daryl Morey told Kelly, like, he thinks they're going to have a top 10 defensive rated team by the end of the season. And I'm like, yo, you're 30th now. You're not jumping 20 teams. Like you're not, you don't have the guys to do that. You know, Harden doesn't play defense. Westbrook doesn't play defense. Like you're not going to get there. I don't know where, where you make that jump where you think defensively, you guys are going to be a top 10 team. Like, I think he's probably thinking NBA 2k or something like that. Uh yeah, it's not it's not good. Um, all right, a- as we wrap up, Seth, I'm gonna start with you. Uh, what do you what are you gonna be paying attention to in the next week? Um, I think it's a lot of the we're getting to the point where the some of the teams we talked about that had kind of the strong early starts. Um, do we start to see a little bit of of regression? Um, you know, in terms of I, I like you know teams like the Heat and the Suns, especially kind of the rookie guards for the Heat. Um, you know, is the league going to start to figure out Kendrick Nunn a little bit, or is he just going to start not making every like floater? Um, if, uh, for for you know, um, so that that that's a big one. Um, anxious to see. I mean, we're we're not too far away from Paul George coming back, are we? Yeah, next and I'm, week. I'm very I'm very anxious to see kind of the the fully operational battle station. Um, I don't think we've heard much about when we can perhaps expect Zion, but that's something to to look forward to. Is anybody um, worried about that? Just out of curiosity. I, I'm not expecting to nothing, see him until Christmas. But there's yeah. been nothing, not an update, yeah, no, not I, a word. Well, there was anybody no worried was, about that. There was no info about the injury until he had the surgery. Yeah, that's that's I. You know, you you you're almost a little bit worried that 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 this the way it it kind of dribbed and drabbed out that you know there might be kind of a. A, a slow walk to him not playing this season somehow like that's 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 let me let me be clear that's pure speculation on my part like i'm not yeah you don't know, aggregate just, that yeah aggregate it <laughs> aggravate me just like you do mo <laughs> i don't aggravate you the cat aggravates you i have nothing to do with that uh, i love that this show me. has just turned into the odd couple but the odd thruple <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah, where we all just yeah. yell at each other. Yeah, um, yeah. I I don't know if I'm worried about it. I think that they're just Before operating. Get off my lawn. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think they're just they're just operating. You know, yeah, a, a, with with tight lips. You know, I just try, I think they're trying to not let information out. Which, by the way, is good for Zion, 
right? Like that's that's a good approach. You're protecting your player. You know, don't put any undue pressure on him while he's trying to rehab from injury. Uh, Mo, what about you? What are you watching next week? Well, Seth touched on it a little bit. I'm watching the Clippers just because got Portland tonight, Toronto on Monday, at Houston, and at New Orleans next week on a back-to-back, so we know Kawhi won't be playing one of those games. But, you know, Paul George might be making his return around that time. Like, that's kind of what I'm really excited for for the next week. And just kind of seeing Paul George on the court, hopefully Kawhi is playing in that game, and kind of seeing how that start beginning to get clues and hints into what it would look like when they're fully healthy and going together. That's that's really what I'm watching. Uh, I'm going to be watching the Charlotte Hornets because I think they might be a playoff team. And coming into the season, I definitely did not think that. I thought this was like a 23 to 25 win team. Um, but they're playing really well right now. So, you know, back to back to Seth's point, like we're going to start to see which of these teams are are real and which ones aren't. Um, and it's not like I think they're world beaters. They, you know, they play in the East. Let's let's, right. let's add some context to that. I mean, a playoff team in the East, you know, barely makes the uh, NCAA tournament, right? So, um, I'm I'm watching Charlotte a lot because I, I'm really interested in what they've been doing. I think uh, Barrejo might be a good coach. Barrejo, uh, Barrejo, not Barrejo. All right, Anderson Barrejo. Is that who we're talking about? Yeah, Barrejo. <laughs> Yeah. All uh, right. So other, Borrego. The the last thing too, Devontae Graham has been freaking really fun good watching Charlotte. And PJ Washington's been, been good. They've been surprising in that yeah. sense. They haven't gotten a lot of press, but winners of three straight, like they've been a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're a tough so, team. I think they're one of these teams that at the very least, it's not an easy night. They may not win a lot of games, but it's not going to be an easy night. Kind of like Memphis, actually. Memphis, you know, they're young and they're not going to be very good. But it's not going to be an easy game. I mean, they stole one from Minnesota last night. And by stole one, I mean they really, like, beat the pants off of them. Um, but Minnesota probably should have won that game, like, on paper. So, random Devontae Graham stat uh, or, or factoid is two years ago he was the uh, – he put up the most reps in the bench press at the NBA Combine. So, that's – I, I, you know, it's just small wow. kind of slate guard. And I, I, I want to say he threw up like 20 some reps at like, I think they do 185 at the, at, at, at the, the, the NBA combine, which I don't, I don't know like this, how much your bench matters right, as a basketball right. player. But still, I just thought that was, that was interesting at the time. And, you know, for the, the fact that he's, he's tough and scrappy is not surprising because of that. Yeah. Well, it's good for a legal screen set. That's that's where the bench press really comes in handy. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that's it for this week's show, guys. We'll we'll be back next week with more Nerdy She Wrote for Mo for Seth. I'm Dave DeFore. Thanks for listening. <laughs>